we've been doing. And I just barely mentioned the fact that we are working through the climate adaptation plan. Um, we do expect to finish that. Um, we have a grant out to do that. A lot of the professional and technical services line, which is the big line in this budget, I will say that community development didn't have anything in that line, um, which was really hard for if you got a grant, how were you gonna match the grants? And if you needed um, a consultant to help prepare information in order to apply for something, there was no funding for that. Um, so this is actually the reason it's even level funded is because of the situation our budget is in right now. Um, but that's actually coming over from the Energy and Environment Office. Sometimes we have brownfields consultants to work on our brownfields. Uh, there's a definitely a bunch of grant matching in there. There's uh, consultants to work on our climate and adaptation plan. Um, and then periodically miscellaneous. So you may remember we're working on a zero waste assessment for the schools. So we got a technical assistance grant from the state to do that, but we needed somebody who could work with all the schools and go out and visit the schools and figure out what was going on around waste issues in the schools. And so we hired a contractor to fill that role and do that legwork. Um, so there's a bunch of things like that in there. Um, I think I will leave it at that and see what questions you all have. Thank you, Alicia. So we have uh, a number of councils that wanted to ask questions. We had Councilor Knight, then Councilor Bears, and then Councilor Morrell, Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, so Alicia, we're looking at creating a new position, the Economic Development Director. I apologize. I thought okay. I'd be able to mute and unmute. I didn't want any background noise. Um, so I'd like to say this sounds wishy-washy, but yes and no. So by combining the two offices, there are two director positions and there's only one person. So there's been the director of energy and environment. Um, what we had discussed when we discussed merging this office in January and January was actually to hire a climate and energy person and an economic development director. Um, because of the basically the budget and the fiscal situation, what we're what I'm agreeing to is that we would not backfill the climate work and the, the energy and environment director position and instead bring in somebody who's very, very knowledgeable in economic development. Um, so we're sort of trading those two positions for each other. Is there currently an economic development director? There, there has never been for the city. Okay, so we're creating a new position, right? We're creating yes. this position. Oh, it was funded last year. Um, it was funded last year as an economic development planner and it was never filled. Okay, that, that's what I'm getting at. So what is the, what CAF is it going to be paid under? So what I've recommended is CAF 15, which is the CAF that the uh, Director of Energy and Environment was in. Right. So last year, we just upgraded that position because it was a standalone department head position for parity purposes. So we gave an increase to the position of Director of Energy and Environment because it was for parity um, responsibility so that uh, a department head would have similar or like salary to other department heads and reflective of the duties and responsibilities. Right. Now we're merging two departments together so that department head is no longer going to be a department head. They're going to be a director of a certain program, right? So if we're going to be looking at ways that we can, you know, conservatively provide the community with the services they need, but still be conscious of the 
uh, budget constraints in the community, I think that some steps need to be taken. Um, one of those steps would be that, you know, the administration is going to be bound to come before the council and create this position and create a calf for it. And right now we don't have that. Um, and then, you know, I'd have to look at the fact that, you know, we had a position that was funded at one rate. We upgraded it for one reason just last fiscal year. And now those set of circumstances have changed. And does that position still warrant that pay? Um, you know, so th those are the concerns that I have about that. Um, and that's something that I'd like to address, hopefully, prior to uh, the position being posted and, and filled, um, because that's going to be something that needs to be addressed. Um, number one. Number two, um, you know, I think that you've set a, a rather um, ambitious uh, set of goals for the, for the upcoming year. And, and I appreciate that. I like that you shoot for the stars. Um, and I think that we're going to have to make some moves. Um, you know, we're looking at the increases in the department um, of 24 and 25% overall for personnel expenses. And I'm sure that's because the two departments have been merged, correct? It's, it's actually a 25% decrease from what was budgeted last year. Oh, below. I see what you're saying. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Yes. Okay. And it's right, a 15% decrease in the ordinary expenses. Okay. And then the grant manager's position that was funded in last year's budget was not funded as a 0.5. That was funded as a 1.0, right? Last year. It was funded. I mean, I helped interview for that position and the position we interviewed people for was a halftime position last year. Okay. And that was never filled. It was never filled. We did interviews, uh, frankly, the week before the election. And we made a recommendation the week of the election and the position was never filled due to the results of the election. Yeah, by the time we got around to actually making an offer, that person, the top choice, top two choices had already moved on. So we decided to pull it back and repost. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Council Knight. Council Pierce. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Definitely appreciate Councillor Knight's questions as well. And, and Alicia, you answered one of my questions uh, in your in your summary, which was about professional technical services. Um, so I'll keep it short. Um, one, I just want to thank you for everything you've all been doing um, and the, the Emergency Housing Task Force and the work we've been able to do there. So just really want to be thankful for that commitment um, and support. Um, really, um, I guess two questions. One, um, you know, there's, there is, as you mentioned, a pretty significant cut in the personnel budget. I understand kind of the explanation why, but to Councillor Knight's point, um, you know, the goals are ambitious and we're entering um, a, you know, pretty significant phase of planning that we haven't done uh, for a long time and in many areas. Um, so I guess my question, it seems like it's not in this budget, but is it a goal for future budgets to add some more people to the department uh, so that you're more, you have more capacity for that? Yes. And one of the conversations that we had with the that I had with the administration is the fact that due to the budget crisis that we are seeing here, they have requested to not fill any positions, basically any positions that are unfilled. Let's cut it so that we don't have to lay anybody off except for positions that are really, really urgent. And our office is so horrifically understaffed that it is really it's been a problem. I mean, we've been working crazy hours and frankly, I am backfilling right now with graduate students because uh, it's the summer and we like to employ graduate students. But I have five working right now full time and that can't continue. Like that's just a summer employment, great education for them, but that's not going on into the school year. Um, so hiring the economic development director will help a lot. 
hiring the grant manager will help significantly. Um, and one of the conversations that we're having is positions that we need to fill back in. And I said to the mayor and to Dave, you know, I can agree and I understand not backfilling the director of energy and environment right now, but I want you to know that in next, next fiscal year, if not sooner, I'm coming back and I'm asking for a climate or energy planner. Like that's absolutely, um, there are a few positions that we could fill the housing position. It would be great to be full-time and we could potentially fund it through CDBG. But the fact that we have Danielle right now, who's available to start doing that work and has been doing that work, I would rather fill that half time with the bird in hand than start talking about hiring and what do we do and what do we backfill. Um, so yeah, we, we need more than this to be doing a really good job and to keep up the levels of work we've been doing. But I understand that given this um, the budget situation, this is what we are going to figure out how to make it do. And just to dovetail off, off Alicia's comments, the, specifically to the economic development director in the grant writer position, the reason that those were kept in and not taken out uh, were these that they, these relate directly to positions that could possibly create revenue for the community. So saying increasing economic development opportunities throughout the city and bringing revenue through grants is, is two things that we want to focus on that we think will help our bottom line in the long run um, and in the short term. So it's kind of in contrast to the, those 100 but unfilled positions. And we view them all as critical. Uh, we, we view as we're kind of taking a step back a little bit in terms of our staffing in order to to, to balance these, these numbers off. But these two could, could increase that bottom line. So we, we wanted to pay particular focus to those. And, and those are the only unfilled positions I, I don't, I'd have to take another look. I spent more time with this book than I have with my that kids was, in the last couple of weeks, but I do want to double check my, uh, my check, double check those numbers. But yeah. right. There was a part-time planner that was Clota Stoker Long. That position's been cut. Um, we had a housing planner four years ago. We haven't ha had that position since then. Um, so there were two open positions in the planning office when I took over in January. Um, and we were determining what was the best way to fill those. And then there was the grant grant position. And then the whole conversation about the director of energy and environment position, you know, how does that fit into the picture? So. Got it. But so the, it seems like the goal is to fill those two positions, economic development director, grant writer quickly um, for the reasons outlined. Yes. Cool. Last question. Um, O-C-D-E-N-E -E is an unwieldy acronym. Um, you, you partially answered uh, the question in your, in your uh, opening. Well, I would like you to rename this department. I love planning and sustainability. I think that's great. If you want to work in the word climate, I'm always here for that. Um, but I think this is a good idea. I think it brings a lot of people together and a lot of work together that should have been together and in the future should be together. Um, so I, I, I'm in favor of it, but, but I support a renaming. Thanks. I actually pitched including that name in this budget, but it turns out there's some legal obstacles. The Office of Community Development was created by an act of the Massachusetts, the Medford Office of Community Development was created by an act of the Massachusetts State Legislature in 1974. In order to rename this office, there's we have to untangle the legal 
pieces that are going to need to go with that, as well as there are a number of ordinances and in Medford that specifically call out either the office of the director of community development, the office of community development, or the director of energy and environment. So it just, frankly, given the health pandemic, it hasn't been a priority to deal with the legal issues there. But I would love to start using it as the common name if that there was an ability to do that. Got it. No, and um, you know, any any way that we can help, or at least I can offer home rule petitions or whatever's needed to get it done. Um, I understand the complications, and it's not a priority. But but uh, you know, once we, when we can, we should get there. So thank. Yeah, we you. just got to write it. Yeah, we just have to write it. It's it's certainly on the to do list for us to get to. Thank you, Councilor Bears. Uh, Councilor Morell. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, a bunch of my questions have been addressed already. And thank you, Alicia, for being here and lasting as long as you've had to. Um, so I just want to confirm, and I think you, you just said this, but the, the idea of the energy and environment coordinator position, that's something you would seek to fill next fiscal year. It's not something that would just disappear completely. Right. I think that we really could use, and I would like to spend some time working through things in a slightly more normal situation to figure out if what we want is a climate planner or an energy planner, um, energy manager, exactly how that works out and which pieces of the work that I've been doing. There are a number of projects that I'm working on that I would prefer to keep doing myself rather than hand off and manage. Um, so how exactly that fits in, what's a right fit position. I'd actually like several more months to, to noodle that out and figure that out before we actually go there. And if it has to be next fiscal year, I think we can make that work. I've had some amazing graduate students help with this. And I have a very good boutique consulting firm. Boutique's not a great word, but they're small. There's six people and they're based out of Cambridge. And they've been providing a lot of back. When I got promoted, I said to them, I need to push you more work. And they said, no problem. And they've been managing a lot of our climate and adaptation um, planning work because of the fact that I've had to uh, take on economic development work. Um, so yeah, figuring that out, we'll, we'll need to do that exactly what's the best fit there. Okay, thank you. You may have just addressed my next question, which is, I was just curious with the line item under ordinary expenses, it's other services, climate slash resiliency for 50,000. Is that what that is? So it's, yes a few things. That is where we frequently will hire some graduate students um, to focus on that work. We hire a consulting firm to backfill some of the work that I've been doing and to support us. And we have been applying for municipal vulnerability preparedness grants. And those grants request a 25% match. And I find that it's simpler if we have budget money. Um, if we get the grant, I will need it as match. And if we don't get the grant, we need to move forward with the climate adaptation plan. We won't be able to do everything that we've written into the grant, but that would provide us the funding to do the pieces that we feel are absolutely necessary to be able to publish an adaptation plan by this time next year. Okay, great, thank you. And then I just had one final question. I did have someone reach out to me regarding concern over the economic development and sustainability being under the same umbrella because sometimes they're at odds. Having worked with you, um, I don't have this concern, but just if you could speak to that a little bit um, for people that might be wondering the same thing. Well, I think it is actually excellent to have them working in the same office because you can 
sit together and figure things out. And it's not that other person in that other silo who's doing it. And you're going, oh my God, I can't believe they did it. But rather you're working things through. You may actually become aware of issues that you may not have realized were going to be issues, right? If somebody's just economic development, they may not have an awareness that what they are doing in some situation might have an adverse impact mm -hmm. on the environment. But if they're sitting in a suite of offices with an environmental planner, and that person can turn to them and go, what did I just hear you say? Before it's in the paper, before it's an issue, while it's still in its infancy, there's really some great synergies that you can do. Um, and there is a lot of stuff that can be done. I mean, there's so much with cl climate and energy and job training that we've really never looked at in the city of Medford that like, you know, so I believe it was Councillor Knight who said, you know, I have lofty goals. I do. I think big. Um, but I want to set things up so that we can do those big things when when the time is right. Okay, great. Thank you. And I just want to thank you for wearing many hats for the past six months and many hats long prior to that and just being an unending source of uh, knowledge and information in this city. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Councillor Morrell. Uh, Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Alicia, thank you uh, for your work here. Uh, I know you've taken an awful lot on your plate in the last uh, few months. Um, uh, kudos for getting all the restaurants up and going and uh, all those little parklets we made all over town. Uh, you know, it's good, good to see people out and around now. Uh, thank you. And, I didn't and, do it alone. I, I, know, I, know, I know you had help, but, uh, but again, you, know, you were in instrumental in getting that done. Uh, so again, uh, it's good to see we're, you know, we're pushing... Uh, uh, you know, people are getting back out and, and, you know, and helping these businesses who have been closed for such a long time. Um, you mentioned uh, affordable housing mm -hmm. earlier in the conversation. Um, where, do, where do we stand on, our, on, the, on the three uh, uh, affordable housing projects that are uh, currently um, in the queue here? So the three projects that I believe you're referring to are our 40B projects. That's correct. And by our, I mean, you know, the city, the community, we didn't bring those to the table. These are the projects that developers have decided that they want to do in Medford. Um, at the moment, they are all in legal limbo. Um, all of them at this point have formally filed with the city. They, they have plans that you can view on the city's website under affordable housing. You, you have to go to Office of Community Development, affordable housing, 40B, but all of them have plans their filings with us. Um, the first two, the zoning board has met on and has um, claimed safe harbor under GLAM. I'm afraid I'm using a lot of buzzwords that a lot of people won't understand if the council knows what I mean. Um, and now we're waiting for the housing, uh, the state to rule on those. The state has said they reserve the right to um, not meet any of the deadlines that are normally imposed on them because of the health crisis. The uh, third one actually filed with us last week. There will be a hearing July 16th where we have every expectation, although I don't tell the zoning board what to do, none of us do. We have every expectation that they will again claim safe harbor under GLAM as they did with the other two. Um, and then that one will also be in legal limbo until we hear back from the state. Okay, well, I'm assuming that, um, you know, the, I, uh, I understand that the Commonwealth of Mass has sided with the developer on the first one. Uh, and, and I'm assuming they're going to use the same formula 
on the other two that they they, they used uh, on that one. So, um, <coughs> are, are we taking the opportunity to sit down with these people uh, and try to negotiate with them uh, rather than fighting them? I mean, so in uh, fact, the mayor and I have been in email conversation with the first two developers. They've asked for meetings to sit down and talk. We've said we'd be happy to. Uh, the mayor asked that we please sit down with them after the budget is finished such to let things settle down a little bit. Uh, with everything else going on in the city, finding the time to meet with them hasn't been easy. Um, we, so it is our hope to meet with them fairly soon, although we do not have um, anything on the calendar for that. I will say that I am not convinced that these are the best ways to do affordable housing in Medford. And that is one of the reasons why we're actually doing an affordable housing production plan right now. So we have a consulting firm and I will take this opportunity to tell everybody that we did a very informational webinar that's available on the website and on Medford TV. Um, it's actually going to play in the rotation starting in July, but it's also you can uh, click through the Medford TV website. There's a survey that's out about housing in Medford, and the consultant has been setting up focus groups with different groups of people. Um, and there are some that are open to the public in general to understand how and where should we be doing affordable housing in Medford. We know we need more affordable housing, but what we want to do is plan for it, figure out where it fits, how to do it, bring in developers we want to work with, and not have it shoved down our throat, 25% of a building that's 300 uh, high-priced units and, afford and 100 affordable units. I, and I agree with you. Uh, I'm all, uh, and, and maybe you can uh, uh, help me out with this. Uh, I've been told that um, it, as soon as we, uh, as soon as if the city were to approve one of those, one of those three projects, um, anything that is not in the pipeline would, would then have to wait for a two-year moratorium. Is that correct? Before anybody can no, come back to the city again? I'm going to say that the laws are way more complicated than that. They may be referring to the fact that if we have an, once you have an approved housing production right. plan, and then you produce a certain amount of affordable housing in a year, and any one of these projects, I think, I think it's like 120 units, um, then means that another project can't be done in a timely way. But all three of these, have actually filed with the city before we completed the housing production plan and before it got approved by the state. Now, it is possible that I am misunderstanding this. I'm not a housing lawyer. We have a housing lawyer that we're working with very closely on this, but that's my understanding that saying yes to one of them would not automatically make the other two have to stop. Okay. Uh, again, they say, and, and, and you know, I'm not an attorney and I, I was, but that that had been brought to my attention also. But again, I would I would hope that um, um, we would sit down with these people now, rather than after they've already. Um, I mean, let's deal from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. Uh, again, I know this is not the uh, perfect way that we want to put affordable housing, but unfortunately, that's the only avenue we, we have at the at the particular moment. So, I, and again, I I urge the you know your, your office and the mayor to please get with them. Uh, let's. I mean, again, uh, if, if any anything we can get out of them um, right now would be great. Again, even just uh, you know, uh, I say you know, the building the building permit fees on those uh, would be a, a, a big boost uh, just on that part alone. So again, um, uh, thank you. And 
I, I know you get a lot in your plate, and uh, and I thank you for what you've been doing already and continued uh, uh, support. Right. And I actually might add that if you at any point think that there's something that we could be doing, if somebody's saying you hear this law, et cetera, says the city has this right to do this X and Y, feel free to pass that information along. I'm always open to looking at yeah, stuff. I, say, I, I wasn't sure either. Our lawyer and find out. Yeah. But that, that uh, another attorney had brought to my attention, and I, and again, I wasn't sure about how that worked. Also, right. Mr. President. Yes. George Scott Pelly, I'm sorry. Oh. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Vice President Caviello. Uh, Councilor Marks is up next, and then Councilor Scott Pelly, did you have a question? No, no, I just wanted to let you know that it, I'm on. There's no way I could see anything, so I apologize. Okay. Councilor Scott Pelly is joining us on the phone, uh, but uh, we have no Councilor Marks is up next. Thank you, Mr. President, and I thank want to thank uh, Alicia for her presence, uh, I can say tonight now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the uh, economic development director position, is that salary that's in the budget for a full year? That is a full year position. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that's CAF 15 at step one. So it's lower than the director of energy and environment, which was same CAF, but at step five. So that's where there's a difference there. Um, the other positions that you see in there um, are all at CAF. So uh, the land use planner and, sorry, the land use planner, and I will say tell you the CDBG admin are both paid at CAF 12 levels. Um, and uh, obviously you can't, CDBG admin is not in there because it's funded through that grant. Um, so those are CAF 12 and the assistant environmental agent is CAF 10. Uh, that's more that you asked for. Sorry. That's uh, all right. So, so based on the likelihood of hiring someone over the next two to three months, uh, is that a likelihood or not? I think we absolutely could. I think that there's um, a number of people out there who are looking for positions. There's stuff that's been cut um, that it would be a very appealing position the way uh, – as a director position, if, but it, the one thing is that it has to be high enough paid. I've actually talked with a few people um, who actually came to me that they had interest in it, but they were both making significantly more than that at a nonprofit. Um, so my concern is that we, we don't want a planner. We want somebody who can think big, who can go out there and negotiate with developers, who can bring in outside companies to want to be here in Medford. We're looking for more than a, a somebody who's going to push papers and make plans. We're going to look, we're looking for somebody who has 15 years of experience. And part of that is also finding state programs and federal programs that could additionally bring money in. So of money that's available through mass development, money that's available through federal development programs uh, to directly to the city to support these efforts, but also directly to developers that the city can be as a pass through in order to attract development to come here um, in a different way. Something, Something, something unique. This is designed to be a little bit more comprehensive than just a planner. Right. And uh, in, in the past, weren't positions in the economic development area also uh, supplemented through community block grant money as well? So I've been exploring that as well. And there are certain tasks that one could do that could be funded through the community development block grant. Um, that's the work that I've actually been doing day to day. I have a contractor working for me, Miranda. Um, Bresenio, 
She's a recent graduate from TOPS. And she and I have been managing this grant program and working on shared streets and helping with business reopening. That kind of work could be funded through CDBG. But the work with working with developers, the mass grants or the mass development grant, those sorts of things could not be funded through CDBG. And so there is sort of a strategic question here of do you hire somebody in at this high enough level that they can really go after these multi-million dollar grants and projects, but tell them they have to track their time very closely because all these other things, they're going to need to bill to CDBG. Or do we fund a position and give them the space to run with it? And then I actually would be interested in looking at a part-time or an additional economic development planner who would do the tasks that would be funded out of CDBG. And that's something else that I actually want to really explore for next year is um, some of that CDBG fundable work. So one of the strategies that we, that we did when we took a look at this, this budget as a whole, and we probably spent more time working on this department's budget than almost any other was to how we use CDBG funding and how we can use it better strategically moving forward. Um, so, so if it, there is an opportunity for us to use CDBG funding to support any of these positions, we'll certainly explore that. Okay. And my, my other question is regarding the grant writer. I know it's a, a 0.5 position. Uh, the $30,000 salary uh, seems to me, and, and you mentioned where, where did that start off that, that particular, what level was that position? Uh, I don't remember what CAF it is that hits that number. It, it just um, seems to me in the past, because I've been on a while and we've had grant writers in the school department, we've had them on the city side back some years ago, and, and that seems uh, a rather lowball number to bring in uh, a professional grant writer. Uh, even though it's part-time, it still seems like a lowball number, but I'm just putting that out there, and that's something you can explore. Uh, Alicia, while I have you, my curiosity has been killing me over the last six to eight months regarding municipal aggregation. Uh, I, I know you like to expound on things, but if you can give us in a nutshell where residents stand on municipal aggregation, have we been doing well on it? Uh, are we behind the eight ball a little bit? Where do we stand? I'm going to mute because I'm, I'm such an idiot when it comes to this stuff, so I'll let Alicia talk. <laughs> so we did implement aggregation. People went on it and, you know, everybody who was going on automatically, it started in the winter. And it was in everybody's favor in the winter. It is slightly not in people's favor right now. Mm -hmm. um, we are still expecting that next winter it will be another significant savings for people. Our goal would be that over the course of a year, the average it would average out so that it'll be a savings across the board. Um, we have had an incredible situation occur that nobody could have predicted with this. Um, COVID has really dropped some prices out there. Um, the, the new electric rate from the utility is lower than I thought it would be. Um, but I think there's, we do believe that we'll be doing better than the utility rate next winter again. So has our consultant provided us any reporting on to date what the city of Method has uh, regarding this aggravate, uh, aggregation? You know, honestly, it was the forefront of my mind in January and I was on top of it. And that's, we were getting things in there and it's been the last thing on my mind recently. I can certainly make a note and ask for one because no, I, I apologize. It's not something that I've followed up on recently. 
All right, Mr. President, can, can we just make it part of the committee report that we receive an update regarding the uh, municipal aggregation? Um, and I think at some point it may be helpful to have another pre presentation before the city council, uh, just updating residents on what's taking place, what the numbers look like, uh, and any other questions that may be out there from residents. Absolutely. Can I just mention on that, if people have questions, there's on Medford TV, a series of videos, and I'm aware they're playing in the rotation on, on the local TV as well about it for educational purposes. Thank you. Clerk Herdebees, do you have that as a part of the committee report? I do, Mr. President. Okay, thank you. Councilor Marks, any, uh, any more questions? I, I am all set, thank you very much. All right. Mr. President, if I can. Uh, Councilor Scott Pelley. Yes, thank you, I, can you hear me? Yes, I can, loud and clear. Okay, everyone, I, uh, for transparency's sake, I had to run to mom's house to uh, to uh, sit with her and uh, do give her some medication. So I'm joining us on the phone. So I, Alicia, I just first of all, I want to say thank you to you and your team. Um, I think you picked up a lot of slack um, since the new year, and I, I, I you're doing a wonderful job. I just wanted to make sure I give you credit the credits due. I know that, like you said, you do have a team and share that if you if you'd like. But um, I think everybody <laughs> asked a lot of great questions. What well, I, you did say, I don't know if the uh, if uh, the chief of staff uh, can help. Did did we say we hired a, a, a consultant too for that? Is that one of the consultants we've already been talking about? For which thing? I work with a lot of consultants. Right, that, we're confused too, Alicia. That's why we're asking. Uh, we keep hearing consultants. We keep hearing lawyers. So I think this is you know when. When people have come to me saying we have such a tight budget, and all you keep talking about is that we have lawyers doing one thing, we have consultants doing another thing, is it is there a way that we can have um, a breakdown in a financial um, spreadsheet of what that's costing us right now through this through this, through this uh, uh, tough budget times, Mister Mister President? If, if I may, uh, thank you, Council. <coughs> the the Council numerous times for a breakdown of all uh, of the consultants that have worked for the city, uh, what they're doing, what departments they're working for, how they're being paid through grants, uh, through the budget. Uh, we have yet to receive that. Uh, uh, Chief of Staff Rodriguez, do you have an update on that? Can you have us, that to us for Monday evening? I know this was asked for back <laughs> in January. Uh, I will certainly do my earnest best to get something for you for Monday evening. Okay, thank you. Councilor Scott Pelley, well, does that answer your question? But, so I appreciate but just, to be, just to be clear, like Alicia said, there, there's a number of consultants that were here that have been here for a number of years and that they've been engaged by different departments. If we want to refine that scope a little bit further, it should be certainly helpful. So, so all, all due respect, all due respect, that, that's kind of frightening that, that we don't know what the last regime and what the new regime has come in and you, I know somebody giggled. I don't know if it was on the screen, but I know we got to work. People doing a lot of work, but this is where we're, we're counting every penny. We're talking about taking more money and asking for more money off our free cash. I, I you know, I, I think it's imperative that we know where the money is going and how much it's going because, you know, um, and and so we can explain to our constituency when they're asking. Because they don't know. I mean, they, what's a consultant cost? Uh, what's an attorney cost for these these different battles? Because 
if it's a hundred thousand dollars per consultant, sure they're going to be they're going to be interesting to see where this money's going. But if it's something that it's reasonable and we we're saving costs because of doing it, it it helps us express that to them. If that makes any sense, I, that's that's the only reason why. I'm not. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be. Uh, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm not being aggressive in any way in the sense that that's the reason. I I, I know that we have doing a lot and. But we have to have some somebody out there that's putting all this together for us. So, again, I know it's daunting, but it, it would really help moving forward as, as I make my final decision on a vote, whether I'm going to accept this budget or, or not. So, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scott Kelly. Uh, at this point, I recognize uh, City Council tonight. President Falco, thank you very much. Um, Ms. Hunt, you did mention um, that you have some lawyers that you're working with. Is that uh, the city solicitor's office? Is that outside counsel? Um, and and in, in what capacity was that in relation to the 40B projects exclusively that you referred to them? I, I may need to defer this to the chief of staff, but KP Law, it is my understanding we are paying them a flat rate per month for assistance to the city solicitor's office. And there are certain things such as housing law, the 40Bs that we're working with um, uh, the local lawyer, or sorry, the lawyer, um, John Winton on. Um, he's been advising, advising us on a few additional affordable housing issues that have come up in our office as well. Um, okay, so thank, you very referring to. thank you. If I may, Council Knight. Council Knight. <laughs> It's all yours. Yes, it's all yours, Councillor Falco. I'm sorry. My kids just turned on the TV. I got to shut it off real quick. Oh. No. <laughs> Actually, I had a question for Council tonight. We'll... Uh, please lay it on me, sir. Thank you. Um, you had, we were just talking about consultants. I believe back yes. in maybe January, February timeframe, you would uh, offer a resolution with regard to consultants. Yes. If, if I'm correct, the information was I think what, what department they work for. How they were being paid, maybe through grant or the budget. Uh, maybe was it the work being performed in the start date? I, I can't exactly remember. Um, at, at this point, I think we do have a council paper that would reflect what's in it. So why don't we just ask the city clerk that he sent it to the administration, and um, if they have any questions, any clarification, we can do that. Um, I, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you every aspect of that paper unless I went back into my files, and uh, my files are here. They're in the backseat of my car right now, actually, Mr. President. Okay. Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, Vice President Carriello. Uh Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Alicia, this is a, I have one more question, uh, not a budget question. I, I meant to reach out to you while I have you here. Um, I've received a, a few calls from the West Memphis community about the, the parcel of property that's on Allington Street, a little bit across the street from the West Memphis Community Center, about uh, possibly putting a community garden in there. Is that something that falls under your purview? So I work with the Community Garden Commission. That's interesting because I feel strongly that I remember that that was proposed several years ago and abutting neighbors were upset about the idea. I would be more than happy to hear from neighbors who are interested and then help them coordinate. They would end up with the Community Garden Commission and Amanda yeah. Bowen. Um, okay, but I work so should they contact you? Because they, uh, easy, I don't know if they were the direct abutters or not the abutters, but... Uh, some people have reached out to me about uh, bringing that to fruition, and I, I wasn't sure what the status. Of, I know that the property is owned by the city, but I don't know what what the status of uh, you know where it's gone in the past. So uh, I will def I will uh, refer them over to you. 
Yeah. And I'll make sure the garden commission connects with them about it. Thank you. Thank you, Vice President Caviello. Any other questions from the council? Okay, any other questions from the public? Oh, we have, uh, let's see. Derek, okay, well, oh. Derek Anderson, name and address for the record. You have a minute and a half for your question. Yeah, Derek Anderson, 16 Myrtle Street. I've uh, been uh, sitting on this call for, what, six, nine hours now, specifically to say this. I just want to bring that up because this is, I've, I've really wanted to bring up this one point, and that's how much it means to me. Uh, as long as I've been here, I have felt that Medford has done an awful job in terms of funding their planning department and having adequate staff. Uh, and for the first time in as long as I can remember, it seems like we're heading in the right direction. And I know this is a difficult year with funding, but I fully, fully support the planning department. I think it would be awful to cut off the good work that, uh, that the department's been starting to do there. Um, and I've been, it, it's an area where if we're not doing this development work, we're leaving money on the table by not finding those grants. We're leaving money on the table by not helping our businesses. Uh, make money, which leads into our receipts. We are allowing ourselves to be steamrolled by private developers doing whatever they want because we haven't had the staff to figure out what we want, where we want it, and what we want it to look like. And now is not the time to find, this is not the place to find savings um, in our budget. And, and I just wanted to say that, and, and um, I hope the good work that's been starting to happen there uh, is given the chance to really show some, some benefit. Thank you, Derek. Okay. Any other questions from the public? Okay. Okay, hearing and seeing. Oh, Council Pierce, did you have your hand up? Can't hear you. Sorry, I'm on my phone and it's weird. Um, I just wanted to thank Derek for waiting nine hours to ask that question. I, I just think it shows some real commitment and I just wanted to thank him for that. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Uh, Alicia, thank you for your hard work. Uh, I know you have your, uh, you, you have wearing many hats these days with, over various departments. So we thank you for your leadership and your hard work and uh, thank you for presenting your budget today. Great, thank you. Have a good thank evening. You. Thank you too. So let's see, uh, next up is finance and auditing. We have uh, Alicia Nunley, Benjamin. Thank you, Alicia. If you could please um, uh, just uh, give us an overview of your department, talk about the staffing and the uh, changes from 2020 to 2021, and Absolutely. maybe focus on the goal. Sure, uh, we have cut down, we had one part-time in procurement. We've eliminated that position. Instead, what we decided to do was to um, upgrade the assistant position to the procurement director and have them doing the, which would save uh, money on the salary side of the finance. Um, on our ordinary expenses, if we pull it up, we can share the screen, if you don't mind, um, Dave. So for our professional services, financial, the 42,000, that's for our outside audit that has to be done annually. Our professional services data processing line, the 56,000, we kept that the same. That's for our software 
Um, annually, we have to pay. We split that with the ID department. That's $35,970. We do clear gov transparency on the website. That's another $10,000. We do actuarial. Um, that's another $10,910. Um, on the advertising, we took it down a little bit to $3,000. Uh, we don't think we're going to have a lot of advertising in fiscal 21, but we wanted to still keep it there in case we need it for procurement. Um, we kept office supplies the same. We increased our water cooler slightly because we believe the water bill is going to be about $30, $39 per month. So that's why I went up to $468. Our dues and conferences, we kept the same at, at about, um, or a little bit higher at $6,375. Um, what makes up that is the, I go to the Mass Municipal Auditors and Accountants Conference uh, just about every year. This year it was actually canceled due to COVID-19. Um, I have GFOA dues. Um, I pay a GFOA CAFRA application fee out of there for us to get the financial award for submitting our, our CAFRA. Um, my um, MMAAA membership dues are in there for myself and the Assistant Finance Director. Um, Eastern Mass Municipal Auditors and Accountants dues are in there. And I put in uh, $1,500 for conference and education as DOR presents different educational opportunities. I always want to keep a little bit in there because we don't know when they're going to come. And we want to make sure that we can take advantage of that because we want to be on top of all the municipal laws. In addition is the Office of the Inspector General training that's for the procurement side is contained in there along with their GFOA dues, MAPO travel, and MAPO dues. Um, for our subscription publication, we kept that the same, the same for our office equipment, and we took down the furniture and fixtures. I did get double monitors for um, some of my staff and any other uh, needs that we may need. I do need to repair my desk at some point, but have not done that yet. If there's any questions on finance and auditing budget. Okay. Any questions from the council with regard to finance and auditing? Oh, Council of Um, You answered almost all my questions, really thorough presentation, but one, I just encourage a quick timeline on repairing your desk because uh, <laughs> it seems like you're there a lot. Um, but my second one is just, what is ClearGov just for my edification? Um, if you go to the website, if you go to, to the website for the city, you'll see a ClearGov transparency. If you click it, it will give you information from our budgetary information to population to school it's also shows the different projects from the library to the police i believe also the, the streets project i have procurement actually budget director putting in that and tracking the projects as they come so it's about being transparent kind of letting the public interact and see what's going on within the city great thank you so much it's good there's a lot of data there it's, it's uh, i've hit, gone on to it before it's pretty good uh thank you councilor bears council knight um, I'm assuming, Mr. President, that um, the finance director is going to be presenting all the finance departments today. I'm, I'm making that same assumption. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I, I have no issue um, with the finance and auditing department's budget. Um, quite frankly, I think that uh, you know it, it's, it's you've done a great job in maintaining and controlling your costs while still being able to meet your objectives. Um, the capital report that you refer to, uh, I had the opportunity to read the last three years. Um, because I got nothing better to do on, you know, quarantine at the house. It's about a 135 page document, but um, if you want to take a strong, hard look at the financial stability of the community up until, um, you know, January, 2020, that's a great piece of paper to look at. Um, it certainly breaks down, you know, where we were uh, pre COVID, where our finances were, 
And, um, you know, next year's CAFR will be something to uh, compare and contrast it to to see um, what the impacts of uh, coronavirus really had on our community. Um, the questions that I have are more related to the Treasury Department and less related to the Audit and Financing Department. So with that being said, Mr. President, I move on. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, any other questions from the Council on the uh, finance and auditing? Any questions from the public regarding finance and auditing? Okay. Hearing and seeing them, we will move on to pensions and annuities. That is, uh, let's see. Let's... Believe it's on page 165 and showing a comparison. So that is the pension contributory, how much we have to contribute to the um, pension amount for, and also for our non-contributory. So the fiscal year 21 um, proposed is 12,395,219 and the non-contributory is 85,000. Uh, the cha biggest change you'll see, we kept the 85,000 the same because it's just one person and they're stay stagnant but the actual pension contribute that we have to come up with from PARAC that actually comes from our actuarial, from their study that they do, um, went up 6.53%. Any other questions regarding pensions and annuities? Any questions from the council? Oh, council Bears. Um, I guess just uh, for comparison's sake, is 6.5% a normal annual increase, or is that is that rate accelerating or decelerating? Um, it's based on different assumptions. So they have an actuarial that comes out. And so currently right now, the way that it is, is the expectation that we're going to get on our return on investment is 7.5%. Um, PEREC has changed the way they view that and said that that has to come down. So based on whatever assumptions of the market and what happens, if we have to bring that down, then our increase is going to be higher. So what they do is they have an actuarial assessment uh, every other year to make determinations on what the payment's going to be. Okay, thank you, Councilor Bears. Councilor Knight. Um, when we discuss the issue of pensions and annuities, um, and we talk about you know the financial circumstances that the community faces, I know, um, maybe it was either 2008 or 2011, um, the city of Medford offered an early retirement incentive program during the last fiscal crisis, um, at which time, from what I could see based upon the documentation that I was able to, uh, to read and, and secure, was that this proposal saved uh, nine jobs and was revenue neutral up until, I think, um, 11 years after the passage of the home rule petition. Um, so I asked the question, you know, with all the personnel pieces that are moving around in the school department, um, the, you know, question about a $3.5 million budget shortfall in that department. Um, has there been any discussion or deliberation or cost benefit analysis of what a three or a five year early retirement incentive would prove uh, to save the community or not necessarily money, but in the human aspect, the, hum the human aspect, which would be saving jobs, so that people would be able to get out of the workforce, retire earlier, and then draw down the uh, defined benefit plan, well, we're able to keep the people um, that, that are new, the newer hired people that are less costly to the bottom line um, working. So we were able to do that and save nine jobs, I believe, back in either, two th I think it was 2011. Um, and that incentive was offered to the school department, and I believe it was a three-year option. Um, okay. So has there been any analysis um, relative to whether or not that type of 
proposal would be beneficial to the city of Medford on the school side and the city side? And, you know, at, at what parameters, three years, five years? I mean, five years is a lot, um, a lot to, to, to give. Um, so, you know, there has to be a balance, a cost benefit and a break uh, down as to, you know, where it is that we're going to field this unfunded pension liability, when it's going to kick in and what that means for us. Um, so if you can elaborate a little on that, I'd appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, we we can't just add years. That would have to come from the state. What we can do is we could give a set monetary value to incentivize an early retirement. We could do a home rule petition, though. Yeah. We could, yeah. Request, we could, I mean, ask it of the state. And that's that's what we've done in the past, yeah. Which I know um, a lot of the cities and towns came together and submitted some to the, to the state, and that was one of the asks. Um, as a Medford City Hall community, I can tell you right now, as you're going through each budget, you can see that the city side is very lean. It's a very lean run operation. Um, so usually when you have that type of um, community, you would want to think, you'll realize cost savings if you're not having to backfill a position. But if you are going to have to rehire that same position, you may not realize that much of a savings. Now you got to advertise. Now you got to recruit more people to replace the ones you have. You see more of a uh, more of a benefit if you're not filling that position. That's where the city would really see a cost savings. Has there been a cost benefit analysis done for the school and city side and the breakdown for three or five years or one, three or five years or any type of offering for us? We have not uh, done anything as far as- Hundreds of years, but we what we did is we took a look at the- well, the approaching it from an early retirement incentive well, program standpoint to be able to move very quickly. So we wouldn't have to go to anticipate the home rule petition process, which it would could run concurrent. So what we did is we took a look at every employee, their terms of service, their age, and whether they would be eligible to retire and what their position was, and it would have to be backfilled. And what we were taking a look at is say, oh, if we offered an incentive, whether it be a monetary incentive, how much that would that be? And what would be the, the liability on the city side for us to be able to do that. I believe they took a look at that at the school side as well. That's a question for, for the superintendent on Tuesday. Uh, but we took a look at it and we're, we're a little skeptical of how much we, we could actually save if we didn't realize these, if we realized these retirements had had to backfill. Um, so we're still on that analysis is ongoing. And, and as I stated, you know, sometimes the saving isn't necessarily monetary. It can be a cost neutral proposal for a decade or more but save people's jobs. And that's, um, you know, the human aspect of, you know, this budget. That's um, part of the issue why, you know, I don't think Zoom is the, the appropriate, you know, forum for us to, to handle this stuff. And I think that, you know, there is a human aspect to every decision that we make. And as human beings, you know what I mean? But I think that, you know, we communicate better when we're all in the same room on the same turf. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, that's an aspect the council had put forward previously. Um, it's something that I think we should continue to continue to, uh, to look at and examine, and that's something that I'll bring up at a later date. So thank you very much for your time. That's a very, that's a very important point is, is the human aspect of the budget, and that's something that we really kept a close eye on as we were developing it, um, and that's why we didn't want to have to ask for things that may have a real human impact until we're absolutely certain that we're going to have to need that. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Alicia, do you have any more further comments on that? or? Okay, so any other questions on pensions and annuities? Okay, hearing and seeing on any other questions from the public? Okay, uh, let's see. Next up is uh, workers' compensation, page 168. Uh, workers' compensation stayed level funded. The only increase we had was $4,000 
uh, to professional services. And the reason for that is our professional service provider, Cook and Company, decided to leave the industry, which was quite interesting to me. And so we had to hire uh, a new firm and we went with Future Comp and they are costing a little bit more, but they are promising more bang for a buck and more uh, ways of negotiating and lowering the cost for the city. Alicia, there are some reporting issues, some reporting things that they're going to take off your desk, correct? As correct, well as yes. They're yep, take they're going to take over. Yep, we're, right now we put in all, we do all the medicals, we key them all in. They're going to handle that. Yeah, we're so, getting a better value, even though it's a slight increase, we're getting a much better value from this TPA than we did from the previous. Yeah, but so, for instance, cooking company would say, okay, this is the fixed rate of what they pay, so that's what you're going to do. Futurecomp uh, actually has... Uh, a system that works with a whole bunch of providers that can actually get it below the fixed cost, also giving the city additional savings. So I saw that they're very, they've been in the business a long time and there are a lot of municipalities that went with FutureCom. Okay, thank you. Any questions from the counselors? Council Knight? Um, is this a legal service contract that's not subject to the public bid laws or is this something that would be uh, pub subject to the public bid? No, it's not, it is not subject to public bid laws. Because it's legal, sir, legal, because it's legal? Correct, but I still had um, different companies come in and pitch to me anyway. Oh, absolutely, yep, yep, I know that. Okay, great, thank you. Okay, any questions? Any questions from the counselors? Any from the public? Okay, hearing and seeing none, uh, insurance. Page 164. Okay. So insurance went up. So we start with Medicare for the city proposed at 566, 467, an increase of 16.69% or $81,006. Um, the next line, the 897, 259, even though it says health dental life is Medicare for the school side. Uh, that went up 13.58% or 107.310. The health dental life is at 22,422,454. And that accounts for a 7% increase in our health insurance, a 7% increase in our dental insurance. Uh, life insurance stayed the same. So I'm going to kind of give you numbers. So health insurance went up to 21,221,714. Life insurance, $66,240. Dental insurance, $736,000. Um, our FSA match, so in the PEC agreement, anybody um, that goes into the FSA, up to $150 match from the city, $376,500. And we estimated an insurance opt-out payment of $22,000. That's what compromises the twenty two four twenty two four fifty four. Can you please tell me when the existing uh, public employees group GIC contract expires between the city and the employees group and also uh, what the current contribution rate that the city is paying for the health insurance fringe benefits at this point in time under the agreement? Um, well, it's, a, it's a yearly agreement right now. Uh, we have to tell the GIC whether or not we're leaving by December which is interesting and hard for the city and the PEC group because we don't know what the new rates are going to be till after that, but you have to tell the GIC by December 
And if you give me a second, I can tell you uh, what the breakdown is of the rates. You don't have to provide that right now. You can send it to us at a later date. You've done uh, enough work on this, looking through sheets and papers and everything else. I know you have it and I know you're going to get it to us. So you don't need to, to do that right now. You can give it to us at a later date. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's fine. I decided that those are just the questions I have. And um, I'd appreciate uh, that you get that to us, you know, before we close the uh, the budget hearings. Okay. Not today either, like them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, just another uh, quick question. Um, when you say Medicare City, Medicare School, is that the employer contributions to Medicare sure. for? All right, got it. Thank you. You are correct. Alicia, how many employees are on the, uh, on the insurance? I wish I had added up all the numbers. Uh, give me one second. If, if it, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, I, if you want to just send it to us, that's fine. I, if it's not easy to get to. It's, it, I can get to it. Hold on one second. I just have to add them up by plan. But I, the way I have my spreadsheet set up right now is by um, plan. So that's why I just want to highlight them. Thank you for your patience. 2031. 2031. Any other questions from the council regarding uh, the insurance? Um, just Vice a thought that is that too. Oops. Oh, uh, Vice President Caviello, then Council Pierce. Vice President Caviello. Uh, thank you, uh, Alicia. Have we reached out to uh, employees to see if uh, maybe we can offer them some type of incentive to go on their spouse's policy? Yes, we offered an opt out. We do. Yes, we do. We offer. An, an insurance opt-out payment that they get over the year and they just have to opt out each year it used to be that they don't they could opt out once and then that was at the end of it we kept opt out under the new administration so every year they can opt out and get that payment and stay off the skin city's insurance still get an opt-out payment the reason we extended the opt-out is historically folks especially in an economic downturn will turn to a municipal or a public employer to get on the insurance so we want to kind of discourage that to the greatest extent by offering the opt-out thank you thank you vice president Caviello, council of beers thank you mr president um just a, a quick question that 2000 number or so is that including spouses and children that 2031 i i i don't think it includes um well, it does include spouse, but uh, well, it, would, it does it not include what, children. So if you had a family plan and you're, you're on a family plan, that'd be just you. Sometimes um, some of the retirees have themselves and a spouse, and that will show up in my numbers. As a spouse. Especially with the age over and under. So they may have, they may have as a retiree, be at obviously their retirement age, but their spouse may be under. So they'll have over and under. Council of Peers, do you have another question? Nope, that's it. Thank you. Council Knight. Um, no, I was just going to say, Mr. President, it's virtually impossible to tell how many people are on a plan because there's no single payer. 
So ultimately, if you have a family plan, my family plan of nine people could be the same, same cost as someone else's family plan for four. So the question that you asked was how many people are on the, are drawing down the insurance, right? It wasn't necessarily how many are single and how many are family plans. Um, so I was just, you know, trying to add my two cents that it might be very I, difficult I, to come up with that number. Um, I, so do we know how many employees though are taking the insurance? The 2000 number that you gave the 2100 or whatever it was. That, I think the question is how many premium pairs are there? Right. Yeah. Right. Regardless of whether or not it's a family plan or a, or, 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 or an individual plan. Um, and there may be some splits there for folks who we may pay for a couple and we may two pay two premiums because of structure. Yeah, right. Two people on two single pages gotcha. is cheaper than one person on a family. But they know. might be married but divorced and then part of the divorce settlement is that the, the spouse stays on and so we hit, so it's a big thing. Okay. Any other questions from the council? Any other questions? I just wanted to thank Councilor Knight. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Council Beers. Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, any other questions from the public? Okay, hearing and seeing none, uh, we'll move on to uh, purchasing. Uh, purchasing falls under finance and audit. That was the first one we had done. Oh, okay, perfect. So we're good there. Okay, so uh, any other questions for Alicia? No. Okay, Alicia, thank you so much. Oh, Council, sorry, Council Knight. I thought that we were going to do treasury and, and Alicia oh, yeah. was going to be presenting all those finance, the treasury and the assessing department as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but are you presenting, Alicia, or is that? That was the question I asked earlier. That's what I thought. I didn't know if she was presenting for all the finance or just um, just finance and auditing. Okay, I was under the impression that someone else was presenting for treasury and debt and assessing. So, but that's fine. We'll continue forward. Um, let's see, uh, treasury and debt, page 67. Okay, so the first line is permanent employees, $540,809. Um, and below you can see in the personnel services summary, $118,720 for the treasurer, $75,971 for a deputy collector, and $80,073 for assistant treasurer, and uh, $266,045 for five clerks. Um, the personnel expenses for the treasurer collector's office is up big time uh, compared to last year. It's also my understanding that we have um, 03 employees that are serving in pretty key positions at this point in time, if I'm not mistaken, would that be inaccurate? Uh, well, our deputy, our deputy collector is retired, so he's leaving. We're going to have to fill that. Um, is he been re is he retired currently or is he retiring? He's retired currently. He's in 960. Oh, in 960. Okay. And um and also uh a city treasurer is also a retiree at this point in time, right? Correct. And so we need both, to fill those positions. Right. Um so I guess my question is how can we have two people in positions that are uh coming in as O3s in a ink there's such an increase in the line item um for personal expenses. We, well, we kept them at the current at the current rate they were. So that one eighteen seven twenty is because of the one one increase in the non union employees. That's that increase. The um, the deputy collector would be the same thing. Uh, we took it down slightly, but uh, we still have to keep some room for negotiating for when we're hiring. 
So are these employees receiving pension and full pay? No, 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 no. We're budgeting for what we're, what we're anticipating we would need for a full employee starting on July 1, running through June 30th of FY21, assuming those 960s weren't working. So we, we budget for a whole year salary instead of trying to scale it back and try to figure out when the stop start dates would be. Okay. In, in terms of the 960s, um, is there a limit to the amount of time they can serve, the amount of hours they can work, the amount of money they can earn as um, individuals that are drawing down on uh, public pension? Yeah, they can work. They can work 960. Um, they can work in 960 hours a year. Uh, but I believe those that was uh, alleviated by part of the municipal relief packages, where they allowed retirees to come back and work, work additional hours off to take a look at that uh, specific things. And they can generally work. There's there is a limit on how much money they can make. And is there any cooling off period for these individuals? If they're drawing down their pension, can they collect the pension and pay from the city at the same time? Or is there a cooling off period or a period of time that they have to wait before they can collect both in the, in the double dip? They can do both. Yeah. But they, but there is a windfall provision in there where they can't collect, like you said, they can't collect their pension and then a full salary. So that has to be, that has difference, to be scaled. It's the difference between the, the prior salary and the pension times 30%, I think is, is that what it Generally, is? Yeah. I'll have to take exactly a look, especially because it might've changed with some of the municipal relief packages that were passed in order to get, get folks in. Uh, I'll have to take a look at, look at that. Um, you know, Alicia can take a look. Okay. And um, in terms of the hiring process for these two positions, where are we in that? Very, 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 very close. Very close. Um, yeah. So we're yeah we're we're kind of, we're at the we're at the two yard line to use your metaphor from you from before. We're at the two yard line on all those positions. All right. Well, I have the faith in you guys that you're going to be able to pop it in. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Uh, any other questions regarding Treasury and actually, not uh, Councilor Beers. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I think. Uh, the increase, at least as I read it, the increase in the personnel expenses is coming because there's an additional clerk. Um, so I just wanted to ask, wh wh why are we adding a clerk or what's the reason behind that? We added a clerk and, and, and if you look, they took away their uh, part-time employee line. I think one of the things that I've seen in the uh, treasurer's office is they need to have as much help as possible. Um, as, as time grows, as things grow, the way you need to do things is different and change. Technology's changed and we need to make sure that we're able to service the people and four four clerks is just not going to get it done for the public. Got it. That's all the answer I need. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Councilor Scott Pelley. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, Ms. Nunley, just so my, my wife works for uh, a municipal treasurer and they have 10 staff members on board. So, um, we feel the pain. I can see that. So again, uh, just want to say thank you for all your hard work. And I, I apologize and I'm back. I know you miss my face, everyone. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Councilor Scott. Kelly, Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank uh, the current treasurer collector, uh, Fred Pompeo Jr., uh, who is doing a tremendous job, uh, Mr. President, in that office. Uh, they have kept the city of Method moving forward. Uh, during this whole COVID outbreak. Uh, they haven't missed a beat, Mr. President, and uh, the staff does tremendous work in there, and I want to thank them all for their efforts. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Any other questions regarding the uh, Treasury? Um, Treasury Any other questions? Councilor Knight. Um, I do believe when we met with Mr. Roselli, we were talking about a magic number of $30 million, right? That was what we needed to collect in uh, 
in revenues between uh, the the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the in the in the close of the fourth quarter, I do believe. And um, last report was that we were at about what twenty eight or twenty nine million dollars. Alicia, was that where we were at in collections? Um, I would have to. I don't want to confirm to an exact number unless I I can tell you for sure. I'd like yeah, to. Get back. We, we were we were well around the ninety percent mark in terms of returns on the uh, on um, on those revenues that we were waiting yes. for. Yes, yes, ninety percent. Yep. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Council. All night. Any other questions regarding Treasury and debt? Any questions from the council? Any questions from the public? Okay. Hearing and seeing none. We're all done with the treasury and debt. Thank you, Alicia. Um, no, we have to do the. Did you want to go over the debt service schedule? Oh, what page is that on? I'm sorry. I will. One sixty-three, I think. One sixty-three. Okay. Sorry about that. Dave, could you please share uh, page one sixty-three, if you wouldn't mind? Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Alicia. You're welcome. So general fund debt service uh, went up 16% or 1.125067.93. Um, water and sewer fund debt service went down slightly only by $2,287. Uh, revolving funds debt service went down by 9% or $5,150 in comparison to the um, prior year. You can see what we're budgeting for the general fund for interest on temporary notes. We think is going to be about uh, $10,000 for the bands that we have um, coming due that we're going to be doing. Um, interest on bonds is $2,369,356. Uh, principal on bonds is $5,893,750 for the general fund. For a total of $8,273,106. Uh, Water and Sewer Enterprise Fund interest on bonds is $124,500. And uh, principal on bonds is $1,149,468 for a total of $1,273,968, which is a 0.18% decrease from the prior year. And the revolving fund debt service interest on Hormel Stadium is $3,887.50. Principal on Hormel Stadium is 25,000. Interest on the field, uh, Edgerly Field is 26,525. Um, so the total on that is 55,412.50, which is a decrease of 8.5%. Thank you, Alicia. Council on the night. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, this is going to sound very much like uh, my opening statement some, I don't know, however many hours ago that was. Um, so we're in a situation right now where we're seeing uh, our revenues forecasted at being on a decline. Um, we're seeing a debt service obligations increase in, in some capacity. Um, we're seeing a reliance on our reserves to balance the operating budget. And we have uh, a major project that we're going to go have to have to go out and bond for in the public library. Um, now, pra past practice has always been that we tried to keep what between six and six and eight percent of our operating budget in our reserves. Uh, five. 
Five? Five and up. Five and up. Five and up. And, and at the current rate is probably closer to seven. Yes, correct. 12 million bucks. Um, so at what point do we get into a situation where we're robbing Peter to pay Paul, where, you know, our revenues are declining, so we're taking money out of our reserves, but then we have to go out and bond, and then our bond rate is going to be higher. You know, there has to be a break even somewhere. Um, yeah. What impact? What impact are we going to see um, on our ability to borrow and our bond rating as our revenues decrease and our reliance on our reserves increases? Do you, do you forecast or do you see a potential for us to, um, to to have a problem when we go out to borrow? I mean, the next biggest borrowing we're going to have to do is for the library. So do you see a problem when that project comes up that, that we might be uh, impacted by a, a rate um, that might be unfavorable or less than favorable? Or do you feel as though we're in a strong financial position right now? Right now, uh, we're, in the current market right now, we're in a strong financial position. And, that, and, and based upon, you know, um, surrounding communities as well, because I think, you know, in the region, we're all facing the same challenges. Um, and we're going to have to come up with answers. And, um, you know, sometimes we have to look at what other communities are doing to come up with answers that might be a little bit out of the box, a little bit more creative. Um, I think so your honorable body has, has been doing a fantastic job. Uh, the current administration, prior administration did a, a fantastic job of really controlling what they were using that free cash for, which most of the time was for um, capital items. Right. Unfortunately, COVID-19 hit and we have to just make up those revenues right now. It's a one-time economic crisis that no one foresaw that we have to kind of, you know, make up for. One thing that we did is we freezed our expenses early. So as soon as this hit, we, we did a freeze. By doing a freeze early, except for essential spending, uh, we were able to keep some money saved so that that will partially replenish our free cash. So when free cash gets certified at the end of fiscal 20, which will probably be October, November, um, we'll be able to replenish part of that. The schools, on the other hand, um, won't be turning things back. The way their regulations work is a little different than ours. They're, they can prepay sped tuition. They can prepay certain items in the fiscal year 21 with fiscal year 20 funds. We can't do that. That's illegal for us. Um, but we think the amount of money that we ask for free cash is a good fair number. It's not going to deplete all of our reserves to the point where we would have, uh, you know, a substantial hurt against our bond rating and our finances. And we're in the hopes that the Fed does pass the package, give us some of that CARES money back, and we can uh, make some, the administration can make some great financial decisions once they get that and where we're going to be with our local aid. But as of right now, I think the uh, 5.5 million on the table with what we're projecting for the future is stable. Okay, um, is the inclination or the the idea to replace and replenish the free cash with the CARES money, or is the idea to also spend that money once it comes in on other items that have been cut or um, consolidated? Yeah, it's the oh, no. uh, yeah. We don't know. We, it's well, fr frankly, we don't know because we don't yeah, know spend money. You don't have. I know that. Yeah. So it's so it's it's one is so it, we we would love to say that you know if we get X then we're going to do Y but because there's so many there's so many variables in terms of how we don't know if there's going to be conditions placed upon any on any stimulus that we receive or upon any CARES Act that's relief that's released generally CARES Act can only be used for unbudgeted expenses related to COVID nineteen if they release that for the for budget relief there may be additional conditions that are placed upon that so we have kind of have to wait and see the free cash transfer was designed as to get us through and be able to balance the budget in a responsible way. And we took that number 
recall from the from the meetings that we had in early May and early June that that number was at eight. It was at six, and we started chipping away slowly. Uh, but you could see some of these reductions in the, in the budget that, that's before you today. And to get that to the five point four nine six was where we needed to be. And the mayor felt very strongly about getting that number down as much as we possibly could um, in order to give us more options. The lower that number is, the more options we have in turn when those when those decisions start to get made. Uh, so we think we placed ourselves in a pretty good position. Uh, nobody's happy about the free cash transfer. Nobody. The mayor, least of all. Uh, so once we have more information, we'll be able to to adjust appropriately whether it's replenish free cash transfer money over to certain areas and be able to then be able to really get in the game a little bit in a little bit better way yeah. and my concern is that if we're unable to generate the revenues through taxation in the upcoming fiscal year to cover that 5.5 million dollars then <laughs> they're really creating a structural deficit that's going to be carried on with us from year to year um, you know, if we're looking at, you know, the three to 5% number in the operating budget as to what we should generate in free cash, then, um, you know, we need to be on the higher end rather than the lower end. The lower end would bring us right back to even. The higher end would be, um, you know, where we'd be above even and then adding back to the balance. Um, so I think that that's something that, you know, is very important. So with that being said, um, does the administration forecast any um, supplemental or mid-year appropriations from the free cash account um, to for the operating interests at this point in time no okay well thank you thank you council tonight any other questions from the council council scott pelly i'm sorry maybe i missed it but uh alicia is it is there anything coming off the bond payments Are we you know we have a <laughs> we have something out there that was saying you're coming off george soon so yeah, I mean, we do. We do have some. Um, right now, we have the schools, I believe there's some MSBA construction that's going to be coming off. Um, I want to say it's either next year or the year after. Uh, that will be the end of that. That will come off the debt service. Now, do we, is there a round figure for that? Um, yes, but I'd have to get back to you and give you the actual okay. figure. Yeah, if you're looking at 12 million coming on, it'd be nice to see, you know, if it could be absorbed, uh, you know, how bad it's going to be. So. But thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scott Pelly. Uh, any other questions from the council? Okay. Uh, any other questions from the public? Okay. Uh, that's it. That's it for uh, Treasury and debt. Thank you, Alicia. Um, assessing. That is, I believe, page seventy. Seventy-one. Seventy-one. Oh, seventy. Seventy. I was open to seventy-one. Sorry. <laughs> I got I got my tabs here. Page seventy. Dave, can you share the screen, please? And Ellen Burdell is here to speak on, on her budget as well. So. Okay. Ellen, if you could give us a uh, overview of the department and uh, how the department is organized and changes from 2020 to 2021 and any goals that you might like to talk about.
Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Um, so last last is the best, right? Here we go. Yes. My department, <laughs> we have not, um, no changes in the department for fiscal 21. I am a staff, uh, we are staffed with three full-time employees. Um, the only budget line item increases are strictly due to fiscal 21 is a certification or recertification year as mandated by the Department of Revenue. We are already started that work. Um, kept, we're going full throttle all the way through it. And that's the items that you see as increases. Um, we have on the professional technical side, there is the 57,000 increase that is due to, I do have contractual support assistance to assist me with the certification year. And also the other line item that is an increase is um, under computer applications. And that was to contract with a company to provide the city with um, a re the required GIS system that will, um, and keeps us in, in line to continue level three GIS status with the state, which provides for, makes us eligible for grant grant funding, funding for 911. Um, like I said, I, I could go through the whole thing and I can talk for another hour about assessing, but I, I think you guys probably would like to invite me to another event for that. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like a good assessing meeting. Uh, let's no, see. That's true. <laughs> they have them They're Yeah. They get weird. They, get weird. <laughs> they have them. Okay, let's see. We have uh, questions. Council and I, um, not so much as a question, Mr. President, but rather a comment. Um, uh, Ellen, your predecessor, Ed O'Neill, was one of my favorite people in the world. I was always very impressed with the work he did as a department head, and um, I was very sad to see him go. And I, I just can't tell you how pleased I am with the work you've done, the way that you've handled um, stepping into the, the big shoes that you had to fill and the job that you've done. Um, you know, answering the request that the council's put forward when it comes to setting the tax rate, the residential exemption, the work that you put into the reports that we ask for. And they're not, they're not reports, you know, that, that are easy to generate. They take some time, they take some work. Um, and, and you've always been there for us and you've always been able to deliver the information that we're looking for. And I, I, I'm very comfortable and confident in the work that you do. And I just want to thank you um, for that because, you know, um, it, it's it's great to see um, change in the community, especially when the change comes and it's seamless. And, um, you know, we, we lost a good person in Ed and he moved on and went somewhere else and you stepped right in and didn't skip a beat. And in fact, I think you've done a lot to enhance the office. Um, so I just want to recognize the work that you've done over the years that you've been here. It hasn't been long, um, but you've made quite an impact. And I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Uh, Councilor Beers had a question, I believe, and then Councilor Marks. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, two questions for you, Alan. Uh, one, I saw that the stipends are going up a bit. Um, is that because of the revaluation or is that something else? That um, the stipends, the increases are, um, that was a prior, there's a, it's a, we have a three member board of assessors and prior that was an error that it had not carried through. That's correct, correcting that to continue those stipends through. That's the only thing there. Got and it. The and then my only other question. Oh, sure. sorry. Go no. ahead. No, there, it wasn't. With the travel, I had budgeted in fifth fiscal 20 for an additional head, and we didn't get the head, and that for some reason didn't come out of the budget. That's why you see that it's not being spent. 
Got it. And then my only other question for you is um, like what the, what's the impact of revaluation going to be? Will it impact the fiscal 21 revenue at all or, or what will the impact be going forward? So the reason for a certification or reval is, uh, you know, we, we revaluate, uh, reassess properties annually, state law. The certification year just brings us in and has a stronger oversight from the Department of Revenue. We, um, it does not collect another dime in, in taxation. I mean, 66% of the budget comes from my department, but the, the taxes are just more equal. It's to make sure we're being fair and equitable, that we're treating all the taxpayers the way they're supposed to be treated. So. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. President. I too want to echo uh, Council Knight's comments regarding Ellen. Uh, I've had a number of residents that have reached out with questions that I were, was unable to answer, and I did refer them to Ellen, and uh, she was very professional and addressed uh, everyone's concern. The question I have uh, regarding your FY21 goals, uh, you mentioned to continue to be diligent in the discovery of taxable property. Can, can you just elaborate a little bit on that? Well, uh, certainly. One of the, um, the city council, when I came before you, right before the crisis happened with COVID, was to, to purchase that pushpin product. We have, that's now been received. So what that's that push pin is that change detection software to refresh your memory. And it was very low cost to, um, to, to obtain. But as we go through and now we're implementing this step-by-step -step process of I, we've identified the parcels that potentially changed without a um, field visit. And now we're correcting those and, and making those field visits through that. The other thing about discovery is, you know, as, and this is why we need to be out in the field. We need to be out there getting those decks and getting those things that were done without permit. And, and that is um, just, we need to be able to do that. And that's with getting staff to not be sitting on the phones, answering questions and get out in the field. So we're going to be working harder to make sure that that occurs. That's where your new growth comes from. And new growth is critical to the city. Okay. In regards to uh, new projects that are going on in the city, do we have anything sizable that uh, is coming on board this year for taxable purposes? Well, they're, they're in process. I mean, you have a hotel at Station Landing. You have that. There are some projects aren't coming in, but the problem is that they all kind of got it in a standstill. So, and as you know, I'm, I'm always the last person on the caboose. It's what occurred in the prior, not what's happening today. So, you know, the concern is that I looked at January 1 as my, my cutoff date, and now things have really stagnated through, and hopefully they're going to, construction's going to pick up, but no real large projects that are going to have a real big impact on growth at this time, unfortunately. And, and just for my edification, um, when, did, when does the property actually come on the tax roll? Is it during occupancy? Is that is that when it's issued an occupancy permit, when, when exactly does it come on the tax roll? It comes on the tax rolls as a degree of completion. It's what it looks like on January 1st, preceding the start of the fiscal year. So as we do a fiscal 21 assessment, it's what did that property look like January 1, 2020? 
And if it's only a shell of a building, I'm going to assess a shell of a building. Um, if it's 50%, you know, 75% complete, if it's just a foundation, I'm going to assess the foundation. So it's what does it look like at that point in time? And do you anticipate an uptick in abatements uh, due to the COVID crisis? Um, I certainly hope not. Um, that would be a, another hit to the city on, on potential impact on overlay. So we, we really, we, we hope not. I, as I set the values, I mean, again, I'm a January 1, 2020. COVID hadn't happened yet. And I'm using sales from 2019 to set those values. Now, am I going to take a look? at what happens from now until when I really kind of, I have to stop looking at things probably about August. I'm going to look at what happened the first eight months of the year. I tell you the market, people are still buying homes. Um, they're still out there and they're, 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 the market's hot. So, you know, I, I'm more concerned, um, you know, how is it going to impact the businesses that were really, you know, your hotels were impacted significantly and where are they going to be? Those are all things I'm going to look at, but I, and because those, the, you know, our nursing homes, the hotels, our restaurants, um, that type of retail space. Yeah. I, I anticipate that they're going to come to me to make sure that I was being fair. And because I said I'm fair to begin with, I hope that that conversation happens and we don't have a huge abatement season. Great. Thank you very much, Ellen. You're welcome. Thank you, Council Marks. Any other questions for the assessor? Okay. Ellen, thank you so much for all your help. We really thank appreciate you. it. Uh, you've thank always told me whenever I had a question or had a fool with someone your way, they've always come away very happy. So um, thank you for all your hard work and dedication. And thank you to everyone in your department. Council Scarpelli has a question. No, just, no, just a comment. I'm sorry to say a little late to the game, but being the last one too, Ellen. I think that you should deserve a prize, um, and we appreciate everything. You're, that, David. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Ellen, you. take the rest of the night off, all right? Thank you, David. <laughs> going we'll out for back. an ice cream. You're going to have to come back till next year. Oh. <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's go. Let's get it done Enjoy. tonight. <laughs> Any other questions from the public? Any questions from the council? Seeing and hearing none, it looks like uh, we have no more questions for uh, Ellen. Uh, any questions before we wrap up as we have just crossed the 10 hour mark of this meeting? Come on, let's do a couple more departments. Let's go. Let's keep going. I'm good. Motion to adjourn, Mr. President. No, motion to report the paper. Ro motion to report the questions out to the administration. Oh, sorry. On the motion yep. to council all night. Experience, man. Madison. On the, Second, Mr. President. On the motion to council all night, seconded by Councilor Caviello to report the questions out to the administration. On that motion, Clerk Ernabies. Oh, President. Council Marks. Thank you, Mr. President. While we have the Chief of Staff here, uh, I'd like to just get an update uh, regarding the council vote uh, regarding the Maple Park condos uh, to see if there's been any update on the unanimous vote uh, twice, actually, by the City Council regarding bulk pickup and the impact it may have on the waste management contract. I haven't received the paper yet, but I'll discuss it with the mayor and we can report back as soon as possible. What, what paper is that? I haven't gotten the paper across my, the council paper from my desk. So I can, once that's done, I can discuss it with the mayor and we can report back to the council. That paper has been submitted twice in the last six months. I'm not talking recent. Um, okay. You have to get I, a response. Sure. 
just, just saying, we, we've yet to get a response on that paper. And I'm not quite sure why uh, we can't get a response to that. So, sure, like, like I said, I'll discuss it with the mayor and we'll report back as soon as possible. Right. If I'm correct, Councilor Marks, that paper was passed pre-COVID. I want to say like maybe February time frame. Yes, six months ago. And then again, recently. And uh, I still have yet to get a response uh, one way or another. Okay. Well, we, we will Mr. be equally with that response. Uh, Councilor Pierce? Uh, just a question for the clerk. Mr. Clark. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, as Councilman, I was so kind to of point out, this is my first budget hearing. Um, so uh, do do these questions get reported out? Uh, like tonight, you're going to send them out to the mayor, or are they getting sent out on Tuesday after all the hearings are complete? Uh, Councilman Bears, you have to vote on the, on the, on the reporting out of the questions first. Once that's done, I'm not going to get them reported out tonight because I'm on I'm on page 27 of a single space document right now. So I'm going to have to come in tomorrow morning and pull the questions out. Once I do that tomorrow morning, I will I will fire those out to uh, Mr. Rodriguez. Got it. Thanks. On the motion of Council tonight, seconded by Vice President Caviello to report the questions out to the administration. On that motion, Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Before we adjourn the meeting, I just want to thank everyone for uh, their uh, dedication and commitment. Uh, everyone that uh, has been on the, uh, the call today, we've had many people that have kind of come on and off the call all day. We had a lot of participation this morning, actually throughout the day. There's still almost 50 people on the call. So I just want to thank everyone that took the time to actually tune in and to uh, uh, contribute or just to listen and uh, um, be part of the budget process. So uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's involved. Thank you to all the department heads, the administration, and to uh, my colleague, uh, to my colleagues uh, here tonight. Uh, looks like Councilor Scott Pelley, did you have a comment? Yeah, just one. I, I you know, it's been a tough couple of weeks, uh, Council President, and. Uh, it's nice to see that even the delay um, that I feel justified, I leave it up to debate, but we're still on track to get this done uh, in, in time that we needed to. So um, I think we could put that question to rest, you know, the, the debate out in uh, social media land that I appreciate everybody's hard work and all department heads. And again, that's something that uh, to the city administration, thank you for everything you've done. Uh, we know that the, the budget was ready, la uh, the, this budget was ready last week, but I think we've done a good job to plow through it. And again, I applaud my colleagues to hang in there with everyone and get this done. So thank you so much. Thank you. So we will meet again on Monday night at 5.30 p.m. to discuss the Law Department, Electrical, Building, Information Technology, PEG, Executive, Clerk, that's Legislative Register uh, of Voters, Board of Health and Emergency Management, Human Diversity and Inclusion, Recreation, Veteran Services, and under building, we'll also talk about Chevalier Auditorium. Okay, is there a motion on the floor? Council Knight. Um, can the administration provide us with any inclination as to when they feel as though the school department, the school committee will be voting on their budget? I've heard Monday. I've heard Monday. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so we should be right on track then. I'm ready for Tuesday. All right, yeah. Awesome. So, All right, great. Uh, 
if I may, um, Chief of Staff Rodriguez, will we be getting a uh, copy of the budget book, a hard copy, a soft copy uh, at some point after they vote on it? I, I don't know. I can discuss that with them as to their plans for production. Because that's $62 million worth of spend or about that, I believe. So um, I, I would think that my colleagues, and I won't speak anybody's behalf, but I would think that uh, you, you know everyone would like to probably yeah. look. Councilor Scott Pelley, I'm sorry, did you have to give no, a- I said you can, Council President. Uh, it's very important. Thank you. Thank you, Council Pierce. Yeah, and I think just to that same point, if we're going to be meeting on a Tuesday at 5.30, if I don't even know what time they're going to vote on it, but if I could get it Monday night, that would be helpful. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, it would be beneficial to everybody. I mean, as being a former member of the school committee, I remember the importance, and I know that the school committee has been really doing a, uh, doing a lot of work on the budget, going through the budget and working with the administration on the budget, and I know uh, as a city councilor and uh, that I, I like to see the detail in the budget. So uh, if we could please have a uh, copy of that budget book as soon as it passes, um, I greatly appreciate it. And if we could have it even sooner, that's all night. Also, Mr. President, maybe it would make sense um, to just dedicate a small portion of time on Tuesday night's meeting if their budget doesn't pass for us to discuss what the 112 budget would mean for um, the month of July, if uh, the school department's budget isn't passed, and then we have to make a determination as to whether or not we're going to move forward or we're going to uh, go with a 112 budget on the last day of the fiscal year, I think it might make a little bit of sense just for us to have a small portion of time dedicated to a presentation on the impacts of the 112, if in fact um, that's the direction that we're forced to go in. Not the direction, I don't, I don't think it's the direction anybody's want to go in, but it's certainly a direction that um, you know we have to go in. It's an option that needs to be looked at. Uh, clerk, no, the clerk's going to tell me I got to post that notice so I can't no, do it. I'm just I'm asking I'm asking if you're if if you're asking about a 112 budget for the schools or for the city or for both. I think I just want the presentation on the 112th budget, not necessarily the documents. Um, the mayor's submitted her 112 budget as part of the agenda for Tuesday night, anyhow. So a presentation on that I think would be warranted and responsible if that was something that we were expected to vote on that evening. You are correct, Adam. Uh, Alicia, you'll be at the meeting on Tuesday. Will you be at the meeting on Tuesday night? She might no longer. She might not be here. She's here. Okay. Yeah, I'll be at. I'll be at every meeting. Ah, good news. Um, and the one twelve budget does include the schools. I think it's five point one million. They're oh. in the one twelve July budget. Perfect. Okay. Any other questions before we adjourn? Motion to adjourn. On the motion, Councilor Scarpelli to adjourn the meeting, second and five. Councilor Beers. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm happy to wait it out. Second. <laughs> Councilor Beers. Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Councilor Beers. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Muted. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Thank you. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everyone, for uh, all your help today. And I hope everyone has a good remainder of the weekend. Thank Be you, safe. Mr. President. Be, Be kind. Thank you.